God is a source of all giving and the first to give. God is the one that has started giving and then we on our own cannot outgive God in any way. No matter what you give, you can't give more than what God has given. And we also talked about, you know, the nature of God's giving. And we say grace is what defines God's giving. God gives generously. He gives graciously. So grace is what defines God's giving. God's kind of giving to us. And we try to define what gracious, gracious giving is. We say it's the giving in which the recipient of that does, not, that does nothing to deserve the giving. And also cannot repro, repro, reciprocate the giving in equal measure. The giver here gives without expecting anything from the recipient of the gift. That is a simple in a very layman language on how to e explain what gracious giving is. You give without expecting nothing in it. And the person you are giving to does not even have the capacity to reciprocate in equal measure to what you've given him. That is gracious giving. The person does not even merit your giving, but yet you give him. You, 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 you give to him. So our God is gracious in his giving. He's gracious in his giving. His giving is gracious and our kind of giving must be like his own kind of giving because we are his children. That was what we said. And then... We went on to look at who is eligible for giving, who is eligible to give, actually, who should give. And we made it very clear here that every one of us has no excuse not to give. Every one of us is blessed enough to be a blessing to others. So therefore, it is an obligation for every one of us to give. So long as you are here and you can hear my voice and God has blessed you, right from the salvation you receive and the life you have and the strength you have, you have all it takes to be a blessing to others. So today we'll be looking at two crucial things. And I hope that we'll be able to get it quickly. If I'm able to finish the first one, then we'll go into the second. And is who should Christian give to? Who should we give to? And then secondly, if we have time enough, we'll look at how should we give? The kind of attitude we should put in giving. How should we give? So... Who, the first one, who should Christian give to? First of all, believers in Christ Jesus, when we give, we give to God. Hallelujah. When we give, we give to what? The, the, the person we give to is God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, let me read from Amplified. It says, whatever may be your tax, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord are not for men. Hallelujah. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Even when you're doing it to men, even when you're giving it to men, do that as though you're doing it unto the Lord. Because the, verse 24 says, Knowing with certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. So there's a reward for everything we do. So therefore, we must know who we're doing it to. Hallelujah. So whatever we do here on earth, we must do it with the intent that we are doing it unto the Lord. We are doing it unto the Lord and not unto men. Christians are expected to give to the church for God's work. Hallelujah. Now, when I say give to the church, I know there are a lot of, you know, a mind that we already have. When you hear give to the church, immediately many people that are not really grown to maturity or probably because of the 
information we've gathered and the things we've seen around, our concept of giving to church, you know, has been, has been adulterated. You know, we have so many people coming up to say, oh, this fool, the church is just collecting money and doing this. You know, they're supposed to be giving to the poor and that and that and that. And then we've built, you know, our ideology from what we hear from outside. But as I said, the word of God is the primary place that we can come for the truth. Hallelujah. So irrespective of all that you've heard about giving to the church, I want you to be open-minded and let's look at it in scriptures. Amen. Let's look at it from the Bible and let God be able to speak to us through his word. Hallelujah. Now the church here, we saw Second uh, Kings. You can just turn to that scripture. Second Kings chapter 12. From verse 1 to 16. You know, the temple of God at this moment has been damaged. You know, there's been no maintenance for the temple. And then the king gave an instruction that collection be made from the people for the, for the work of repairing the temple. And then the priests, of course, the priests themselves, the Levites, which are the priesthood, they were taxed with the responsibility of making the collection, but they themselves, they have not been taken care of by the people of God. So for a long time, the work has not been done. So they they resorted to taking care of themselves from the proceeds that are made for taking care of the temple. So as we read on, we saw that there came upon a time that the king said, no, the priest should no longer collect. They should just, the collection should be in the church, in the temple. And provision was made specifically, you know, for the provisions that is meant for the, for the levites and the priests. Hallelujah. If you're a Bible student, you know that the priests in this context, they don't work, right? They are not permitted by law to do any, any job, any job. And their responsibility particularly is to the ministry of the temple, ministering to the people, the word, teaching of the word. And then an instruction was given that the people should be the one that should provide for the priest and the Levites. Hallelujah. And in the context of where we're reading, that has not been adequately provided for. So, so, so many times we... We come to church and then we don't know how church is run. We don't know how things goes by. We come and then we enjoy the, the blessings of being in the household of God. You know, some people will be complaining, oh, this music, I don't understand. These people are not serious people. You know, well, the person was talking, we're not even hearing. The microphone, is it that they don't have money to buy? Is it that they cannot just get a new microphone? You know, somebody will say, oh, I, I, I was talking with somebody and he said that, 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 that our drum in this church is that he's not, he's, not, uh, he's not good enough, that why can't we just go and buy a new set of drums? I say, ah, I say it's true. What do you say is true? Hallelujah. Now, what I want to do, I want to bring you to reality, right? I want to expose you to truth about what happens and what is our expectation, what our responsibilities are as a believer. Hallelujah. The church of God has many things, right, that must be done. All right, but true finance, hallelujah. The church has many things that can be done, but it can only be done through money, finance. The issue of finances cannot be eliminated from the work of God. So 
you must know this as a truth and then know what your responsibility is as a believer. The gospel is free, right? But money must be needed to communicate it. Hallelujah. The gospel is free, of course. They don't charge you for the gospel. But for the gospel to be preached, people need to travel to places. Hallelujah. The same missionaries down to Africa, now we are sending missionaries to Europe, to America, because right now they need the gospel more than us. Right? Now, finance is needed, is needed to sponsor these trips. Because when you go to the airport, they will not just say, ah, oh, you are a missionary, enter and go for free. Hallelujah. So we must know our way we play our own role in the financing of the gospel. Hallelujah. Money is needed for this mission on earth. Even in Jesus' ministry, we saw that he, has a, he had a treasurer. Judas Iscariot's responsibility was to keep account of the resources that comes in and goes out. Amen? So it was a crucial thing. Even Jesus Christ needed finances in his ministry. So it's not an illogical thing for church, right, to be funded because the work actually must be done with finances. Even when Jesus Christ died, it, it takes a rich man that has influence, amen? It took a rich man that had influence, Joseph of Arimathea, that has to go and negotiate, right, for the corpse of Jesus Christ. And then we used to see, oh, Jesus Christ rose from the grave. That grave was well constructed and reserved by a rich man. Hallelujah. No poor man can afford that kind of, that kind of facility. Amen. So even in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God leveraged on the, rich, on the money, the resources of people in order to, to, to get the place for Jesus Christ to sleep and rise again. Hallelujah. So I just want us to understand that it is, it is crucial. We can't eradicate this truth. It's uncomfortable to talk about it because of the abuses, but we must open ourselves to it. That is maturity, to discuss and know where is it that is abuse and how can we do it properly in a way that will bring honor and glory to God. We will not shy away from telling you the truth. Hallelujah. So that we will all be responsible children of a responsible father that has been responsible to us all, all along. Hallelujah. I wrote something, I said, this money does not fall from heaven. Hope you know that. When you go out, when it's raining, when thunder is stormy, when you don't go out to pick money. Very basic. It is obligated, or is the obligation of Christians to financially contribute to the spread of the gospel. And if you've not been faithful in the aspect of giving, specifically to the church, somebody will say, oh, there are many ways I can give. I can give to the poor, I can give to the beggars. It's good. Are we together? We're not saying that doing that is, is wrong, but your obligation as a believer that has received of the Lord is to support the work of the Lord, support the church in your finances. Hallelujah. Not because, I'm not saying this because we, we need your money to survive on your money. No. I can tell you that the people, without any, 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 any uh, reservation, that in this church, God has been faithful. Hallelujah. God has been faithful to us in every aspect of our lives. In fact, we as pastors, we are sufficient in Christ. Hallelujah. And when it comes to giving, I'm not trying to brag it, but I know that in this church, our pastors are the ones that give the highest. 
So if you have an, um, a, t a thought in your mind, I think, oh, these people are teaching us this so that we can give, then I think your mind needs reformation and reconstruction so that you'll be able to tap from the blessings that God will release as, as a result of this obedience of giving, particularly to the work of God. So if genuinely in your heart you've not been faithful in giving to support God's work, either here, either from where you are coming from or where you will be going to after this place, just know that you've not been doing your responsibility as a Christian. Because a church must be sustained by finances and it is believers that are responsible for that financial stability of the church. Hallelujah. How can we give to the church? We give to the church through tithes and offerings. We give to the church through weekly giving. Let's, let's, let's quickly look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Media team, help me fast because my time is fast spent. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 3. I want you to understand the concept of giving weekly. Now about the collection for the saints. You should do same as I instructed the Galatians church. Is this Paul speaking to this church here? The next verse. On the first day of the week, which is a Sunday, each of you is to set something aside and have, and, okay, set something aside and save to the extent that he prospers. That is according to your prosperity, according to how God has blessed, according to what you have, right? To the extent of that he prospers so that no collection will be needed to be made when I come. The next verse. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you recommend by letter to carry your gracious gifts to Jerusalem. Hallelujah. So we see here an instruction from Apostle Paul to the church in Corinthians that at the, on the first day of the week, so they have an obligation of supporting the work of God by weekly, what, weekly giving. And then we also can give to the church through tithes and offerings. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. It's a familiar passage that we should know from where we are coming from. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 says, Don't all of, okay, 3 verse 10, yes, bring the full 10% into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Hallelujah. We're going to teach this more, but in subsequent time, to understand what Titan is. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Luke chapter 11, verse 42. Where Jesus Christ was making comment on what Titan is. Because some of us have, oh, we have this, under, uh, of this knowledge that Titan is, is something of the, of the old covenant. You know, Christians of today are not meant to Titan. This is what Jesus Christ was saying. He says, but what to you, Pharisees? You give a tent of mint, real, and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and law for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. Hallelujah. Which things you should have done? These things, these important things, the NLT says, let's, let's, does anyone has NLT? Pastor K, can you help me with, to read NLT? Luke eleven forty two. Okay, wait. He said you should what? You should tithe. Yes. Then what? But do not neglect the more important things. Jesus Christ did not condemn tithing. Hallelujah. But he condemned the conduct of the Pharisees. 
So yes, these things, you, you should do them. In fact, tithing is not the most important thing. This is the only time Jesus Christ ever even talk about tithing. Hallelujah. Which means that there are more important things, right? But there is in no way him condemning what tithing is. Hallelujah. And then we can give to the church through what we call the, in scriptures, first fruit giving offerings. Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 35 to 37. We can read it earlier subsequently when we have time. We can give to the church through free will offerings. That was the culture of the early church. When we read the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 44 to 45 and also Acts chapter 4 verse 34 to 37. We see that these people give willingly. There's what we call free will donations to the church. They sold their properties, they sold their things, and then they brought the priests to the church and they laid before the apostles for the benefit of all in the church. Hallelujah. And then sometimes we make vows to the Lord. Vows and commitments, pledges. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 4 to 7. I want to read that one because it's something that is very crucial. People come and then they make pledges. Oh, I'll do this. I'll do that, you know, when this happens, making pledges is not wrong, okay? But it's very crucial that when we make pledges, we are able to fulfill them. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 to 7. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 4 to 7. When you make a vow to God, don't delay fulfilling it because it does not delight in fools. So he will make a vow and delays in fulfilling it. I didn't say it. It's just that God is, doesn't take delight in such kind of a person. Hallelujah. Fulfill what you vow, right? The next verse. By the way, your vow is to God and not to men. So you should fulfill what you, what you vow. Better that you do not vow than you vow and not fulfill it. Hallelujah. So this is very, very important for us. Then the next verse, verse 6, it says, Do not let your mouth bring guilt on you and do not say in the presence of the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry with your words and destroy the works of your hands? In the last verse, verse 7. For many dreams, for many dreams bring fertility. Also many words, so fear God. Hallelujah. So when we make vows, some of us, you know, we've made vows, oh Lord, if you deliver me from this thing, I'm going to give this unto you. I'm going to do this unto you. And we think that those vows are just words that just go to the air. Hallelujah. Of course, we can get into commitment and the desire to give, right? But we know that we, know we have the responsibility of fulfilling those vows that we make unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, the kind of giving under the law, I said this the last time, I say it's not wrong under the era of grace. Amen? The only difference is that it is voluntary, under grace and not by compulsion. Hallelujah. So this can be the starting point to begin a consistent life of giving. This can be a starting point for you. When you give 10% of your income to God as a as tithe, doesn't mean that God is, is only interested in 10% of your, of your income. God is interested in the entirety of your income. God is interested in you and, your, and, your, and the, everything that concerns your life. You must offer everything to God. You're safe and all that you are. We're going to go to look at what that means later. Hallelujah. So these Old Testament forms of giving could be the basis that we can start. Amen. Because some of us, we don't even know how to give generously. But this can be a basis for us to start. But it shouldn't be where we should end. 
because we are in grace and we have all it takes to give generously. Hallelujah. We give to the brethren in church. That is another way we give to God. We give to brethren in church, the believers in need. James chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. You know, sometimes we, we ignore people that are in need amongst us, believers. The Bible says that, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can his faith save him? Verse 15. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat well, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? Hallelujah. I'm praying with you, I'm praying for what that brother needs is not prayers. Amen. What that brother needs is not prayers. What that brother needs is food. When you pray to God, who will, go, will food fall from heaven? Have anyone ever seen food falling from heaven? I've never seen that. I know that God blesses people through people. Hallelujah. So when a brother comes to you and says, I have not eaten for two days, it's not to hold his hand and pray. No. Go and look for food and give him. Hallelujah. And then you could be in church. You see this brother every time. You say, ah, this brother, every day you is just... Uh, one trouser, I've known you with this cloth for, and then you become a, what it means is that he does not have money to buy clothes, right? Get him clothes. That's what it means. Every day, you only send you a message, please call me, please call me. You know, every time, since you know that person, and then you begin to complain, oh, this person does not call me, it's only please call me back. The, what is that is communicating is that he does not have money to buy. Set, buy him a charge card if you have the resources. Hallelujah. We must learn to take care of one another. We must learn to be sacrificial towards one another, understand the needs of one another, and at our own dis dis uh, discretion, be able to meet up the need of one another. Because when we give to people, I want us to read that text. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 40. Matthew 25. It's very important. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 40. Yes. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his throne of his glory. Verse 32. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as shepherds separate the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goat on the left. Goats, goats. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you what? He gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you do what? He gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you do what? You clothed me. I was sick, and you do what? You took care of me. I was in prison, and you do what? You visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and we feed you? Or fasty and you gave you something to drink? The next verse. When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and we, and we clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it for me. Hallelujah. The least of the brethren. That's what the scripture says. The least that you think is the least in the church. He's not talking about going to give and then snap picture and upload on your status, helping the poor. That's not what he's saying. 
In fact, there's no way in the New Testament, if you read from Genesis, from New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, that you ever see the church given to people that are not believers. Go and study, you'll see. Charity begins in the church. People in church must be taken care of first before you even go outside. Hallelujah. This is very important. And it's not for you to give and then you go and tell people around, oh, see, I'm the one that helped this brother. I'm the one that, no, no, no. We have an obligation to support each other. When you do it to this brother in the Lord, you know what you're doing? You're doing it to the Lord. Let me tell you this. Christ dwells in him. The Holy Spirit dwells in him. So you are feeding Jesus Christ through your act of service to one another. Hallelujah. So are we giving to God? Are we giving to God here? So we have a duty to do what? To help each other, to be a blessing one to another. It is an obligation. It's not, it's not an advice. It's an instruction in the Lord. Hallelujah. We must watch out for one another. Amen. Another way we give is to our, our parents, our family members, your family members. Hallelujah. Your family is very, very important when it comes to giving. Some of us can be so charitable to people outside, but we neglect people that are in the home. Outside, you are known as a fun, a, a fun, a, a, what do they call them? Philanthropy, but in the, in the house, people have not eaten. Amen? That is not Christ-likeness. In fact, you are not displaying the image or the character of God. Who is your father? In fact, that is the manifestation of the flesh. That is not holiness. That is not righteousness. That is wickedness. That is sin. Hallelujah. What you have not done at home, don't even try to do it outside. The standard of the goodness you do outside should be the one that you've done inside. Now look at it. He's writing to Timothy on behalf of for the church, right, to take responsibility of the widows. Now, this is what a widow is. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn to practice their religion towards their own family. Second, first, right, and to repay their parents for this pleases God. This word, it pleases God. It makes God happy when you take care of your, your family, when you take care of people that give birth to you. Hallelujah. Your siblings. The real widow left all alone. This is the definition of a real widow. Has put her hope in God and continued night and day in, the petition, in her petition and prayers. Verse 6. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Now, what that self-indulgence means is that she's taking advantage of the generosity of the believers. Hallelujah. The next verse, verse 7. Command this so that they won't be blamed. So that who won't be blamed? So that number one, the children of that, of that uh, uh, widow that, that, her, that her husband has died, that she has children that are able to take care of her, or grandchildren, so that they will be blameless before men. Right? They will be proper witnesses of the gospel. Now, if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, hallelujah, and especially for his household, potential husbands, are you listening to me? Potential wives, are you listening to me? Potential mother-in-laws, are you listening to me? Father-in-laws. And he said, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith. And is worse than what? Than an unbeliever. Hallelujah. That is how God sees it when you are deliberately. Now, there is a place where someone does not have the ability to take care of his family. That is different. But you have the means. 
but you neglect the responsibility that is upon you to take care of your, your, your parents that are aged. Hallelujah. That don't have strength to cater for themselves. Amen. You neglect doing good to your siblings that don't have the possibility of taking care of themselves while you have the means to do that. The Bible says that you are denying the faith. And you're not only worse than someone that is denying the faith, you are worse than an unbeliever. An unbeliever is better than you because they do it. They take care of them, they are on. Hallelujah. So we have an obligation to do what? To cater for them. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2, quickly. We honor our parents. Someone can be here and say, I have not reached a place where I can, I, can, I can provide for my parents. We don't give to God because God is hungry for what we, he, we have. Hallelujah. We give to God. We say that giving is an honor to God. From what God has given to us, we, we, give, we give him back in honor. Hallelujah. From the money your parents are sending to you, you can bless them and honor them by giving. Hallelujah. It's a, it's a timeless and endless principle that believers must leverage on to be blessed, to, to enjoy the fullness of blessings. Example is in, in, in the Old Testament where, is it Jacob? Asked his son to go and get him something, right? Isaac, rather, Isaac. It's not because there's no meat in the house or he doesn't have something to kill to eat. But there's, 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 there's a principle there where he's able to eat that so that my soul, that's what he says, so that my soul can be satisfied and I will bless you. Some of us must learn to practice honoring our parents. Amen? We honor them. There's a principle, Ephesians chapter 6 says, Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise attached to this commandment of honor is what? That it may go well with you, that you may prosper. That's what it means. Prosperity is tight, right? It's tied to we honoring our parents, honoring them, honoring them. Hallelujah. That it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. The next verse. Yes, verse, verse no, verse three. Let, let me just stop here. Hallelujah. You don't need to have everything in place before you honor your parents. Some of us are praying, oh Lord, let my parents live long so that when I finish school and I get a job, I have money, I will now bless them. Good news. It may not happen like that. Hallelujah. While they are still alive, honor them. Buy, recharge their phones. Not that they can't afford recharging their phones. You honor them and they will bless you. Their soul will be well and they will bless you. Hallelujah. That is what God wants from us as believers. We must practice the attitude of honoring our parents through giving. Hallelujah. Another category or a way that we can give to God's work or to God, how we can give as Christians is to those who teach you the word. Hallelujah. Giving to those who what? Who teach you the word. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, quickly. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, media team, help me. Say, the one who is taught the message, which message? The gospel. The one who is taught the message must underline that word must. See, if you like, right? Tie your manner and be angry about what I'm saying. Okay? Now, I am, I'm so... <laughs> okay, let me leave that. 
The one who is taught the message must share. The Bible says must share. Must share his goods with the teacher. Hallelujah. Oh, Pastor Fred, I'm praying for you. Prayer is good. Right? But the word says share. Every word. Not, on, not your prayers. There's a place of praying for those who, taught, who teach you the word. See, you must understand the blessings, right, that is attached to these endless and timeless principles that are scriptures. Hallelujah. Wherever you go, even your pastors back home, wherever you go, know that he who labor in teaching you, the Bible says, share every good that you have with them. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 7, 17. First Timothy 5, 17. First Timothy 5, 17, quickly. Say the elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of what? Ample honorarium. I don't like this one. Give me, give me King James. I don't, I don't like this word, honorarium. Give me King James. Say so let the elders that ruled be counted worthy of double honor. Amen? Especially they who do what? Who labor in the word and doctrine. Hallelujah. The next verse, for the scripture saith, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that threaded out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. This is the last verse for me. Yes. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 to 20. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church has communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. Now, what giving and receiving here means that, not that they gave and they received. That's not what he's saying here. Is that they gave and he received. Hallelujah. So that is what the giving and receiving here. The next verse, he says what? For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessities. Verse 17, not because I desire a gift. All right? Not because he was poor. He walks with his hands. And then he makes ends neat. And I can guarantee to you that all your pastors in this church, they take care of themselves. They walk and they make, up, they make up their needs. Hallelujah. So he says, not because I desire a gift. But what does he desire? I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Amen. You desire what? The fruit that may abound. That means there's fruitfulness that is apportioned to giving, most especially to those who labor in word and in doctrine. Hallelujah. The next verse. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, and what? Not only pleasing, but well-pleasing to God. The next verse. But my God, hallelujah. We confess this verse so much. We never know that it's because people gave that this prayer was made to them. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> you don't look at the context of the scriptures and know that it was given or provoked this prayer. Let me tell you something. If you give to a man of God, ask him to pray for you. Hallelujah. Ask him to say a blessing. That is your right. I'm telling you a secret. He said, right, it's not a transaction you are making. But let me tell you this. If he sold his please, ask him to pray for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. If he does not pray for you, tell him, sir, please, there's something. Can you please just pray for me, sir? Hallelujah. It is very, very important. 
These are endless principles. Hallelujah. My God shall supply all your needs. His God shall supply their needs. Right? According to his riches in Christ. Verse 20. Quickly, verse 20. It says what? Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Then Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. Because we'll say, okay, where did Jesus Christ talk about this? Now let me show you where Jesus Christ mentioned this. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. And after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them to and two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. The next verse. Go ye ways. Behold, I sent you forth as lambs among wolves. Verse 4, carry neither purse, nor script, nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And in, into whatsoever house ye enter first, say, peace be to this house. From here, be careful. Watch killing. And if a son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall return unto you. I wish after I could have break this down for us to understand. And in the same house, remain. Do what? Eating. And drinking such things that they give, for the laborer is what is worthy of his hire. The laborer is what is worthy of his hire. The laborer is what is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. Jesus Christ giving them instruction here. The next verse. And into whatsoever city ye entered, and they are, and and they receive you, eat such things as are said before you. For the man that goes out. Eat what they said before you. We'll talk about that probably another time. Next, verse 10. And heal, verse 9 rather, heal the sick that I dare in, and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive ye not. And they receive ye not. How do you receive people? You become hospitable to them. They didn't give you what to eat. They didn't give you what to drink. They didn't give you a place to rest your head. That's what he said. And they receive you not. Not even the gospel, Lord. He's talking about receiving the people that brings the gospel. Hallelujah. Go your ways out into the street of the same and say, even the very doors of your city, which cleverly unto us, we do wipe off our, our against you. <laughs> Notwithstanding, ye be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable, right? It shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom and for that city. These are the words of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We have a responsibility, okay, to give to those who preach the word, to give to those who teach us the word. is a responsibility of a believer in Christ. You don't only pray for them. People don't eat prayers. Amen? People don't eat prayers. Some, see, if you don't take care of your man of God or your teacher or your pastor, right, wherever you go, you know, and then he's hungry, you hear hungry message. That's a byproduct. Hallelujah. And your soul, you will not grow. Amen? I'm telling you this is the truth. When he's not comfortable, he will not have time to study the word. When he doesn't have electricity in his house, he will use his memory verse that he has used five years ago to teach you. 
Hallelujah. These are real things that I want you to know that is your obligation. If you want to continue to grow, if he has, he has, he has not eaten for five days, he's not fasting. No. He's hunger. He's not fasting, even though sometimes they can convert it into fast. But it's not actually a fast. It's because he doesn't have food to eat. Hallelujah. He's fasting for God to provide for his needs. He's not even praying for you. He's praying for himself. Hallelujah. His duty is to teach you the word and to pray for you, to pray for you, to watch over you. But when his duty is now watching over his needs, praying for his own rent, praying for his own electricity, praying for his own basic needs, be rest assured that what? That that will be the message. Hallelujah. If he's not God-fearing and has matured in the faith. Hallelujah. So you have a responsibility. Wherever you find yourself, know if you leave this place and go to your place, know that first of all, look at your teachers. Are they teaching you the, the right word? Look at the word they teach. If a man does not teach you the, the, the good, the good, uh, the right counsel of God's word, is not honor of your giving. Me, I'm telling you this. When he's teaching you the word, sound doctrine of God's word, you have an obligation to do what? To meet up his needs. Hallelujah. Because it's an instruction for us Christians to do. When you give to the teacher of the word, as I said earlier, kindly ask that he might bless you. All these forms of giving to the church, to the believers, to our family members, to men that teaches us the word, are the giving that we give to God. Hallelujah. This is an obligation of a Christian. And if you know that deep in your heart, that you are not, you're not living out this, ask God for the grace. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray for. Let's pray. Uh, pray let's pray this prayer. First, Second Corinthians seven nine verse eight. Let's let's rise on our feet as we pray. I will stop here because of the time. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Hallelujah. God is able to make what all grace abound to you. That ye always having all sufficiency in what. In some things, in all things, in all things may abound to every good work. That you have sufficiency to take care of your basic needs. And that you have more than enough to give to others. Pray this prayer and say, Lord, I receive and I give. Just converse it into prayers. Not that I'm giving to be blessed, but Lord, bless me so that I can give. Bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. I can contribute to the need of the church. I can contribute to the need of other believers. I can contribute to my family, my father, my mother, my siblings, my children, my wife, my husband, my cousins, that widow in our extended family that is in need. Father, bless me that I will be a blessing, that I will be blameless in this way. That orphan that you've been pressing in my heart to be a blessing to, that has no father, that has no mother, Bless me, Lord, to be a blessing to my leaders who generously teach me the word of God. Who, who, who daily give them themselves, give up themselves in the study and the teaching of the word. That my church will love no good thing as a result of my generosity. 